Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. A hearty hello and welcome to episode 112, I mean 112, of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Uh, we keep your town square's notice board posted with the latest news and views about Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms. This week, part trends are posted that include a recap of VR's recent visit with Co-Carnage, a discussion about factions, and it's on to part two of the Tales from the Fire in The Lore You Know. So have your second breakfast, restock your pipe weed, and gather your party and join me, Theric, and my Eternum co-host, Desrin, in this week's Rewind. So, Desrin, I said Eternum because I know you witnessed my gnome's <laughs> untimely death jumping into the hole in, in EverQuest in our event earlier this week, trying to escape a very vengeful paladin. So I, I'm asking you for a corpse summon here. How's my faction with the Eternum this week? <laughs> well, I don't know about the Eternum, but your faction's great with me, man. I, I will, And I promise I will not charge nearly as much as they will. Uh, for sure. Just a bit of loot, you know, just a bit of loot. Yeah. And you're not going to, you're not going to steal an item that's lost in transit during my. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Um, I I will say that was one heck of a finale. Um, and I love that you said vengeful because, uh, I, I really think Nathan's starting to get converted here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to give a little teaser way out in front here, but we have a video coming out that might shed some light on Nathan's true uh, nature, but uh, I don't want to (laughs) spoil fun, but Drax, Drax all over that. Anyway, you know what we should do? We should read our adventure party. That's right. Because we have Ziplocs on the Dark Mer Rogue. We've got Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, Bounty Coat on the Human Wizard, Screech on the Scar Bard, Wiki Woo on the Human Enchanter, Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric, Horsosaurus on the Human Warrior, Fury Wrath on the Arc High Summoner, Paveho on the Gnome Wizard, Feldrin on the Dark Mer Paladin, and new member Sarah Avienda on the Ember Elf Ranger. So uh, check out the uh, graphic and you can also check out the scrolling banner for the rest of the show. That's going to have everybody else's name in it who joined via the super chat. As always, we want to thank everybody for your support for the show. We have our Patreon campaign that you can go and check out and uh, that has the perks and benefits associated with those two tiers. And then you can also join, like I said, using the super chat function during the YouTube premiere uh, if you want to do that as well. So there's a couple options for you. But again, as we always say, just hanging out with us every week is the best support you can provide because it's the community and we love hanging out and just being with everybody. We're always amazed. And last week, again, another big crowd during the premiere, Desiree, you and I talked about it afterwards. So yeah. what do you think? Are you ready to uh, enjoy the support of our friends and uh, community and get on <laughs> with the show? <laughs> uh, yeah, always. And I think we've got a nice, a nice one here for everyone. So let's, let's do it. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. Right on. Okay, so uh, starting off with our VR News and Notes, we got a rare midday, midweek VR stream this time. And uh, we heard from VR's CEO, Mr. Chris Rowan, and Creative Director, Mr. Chris Perkins, as they sat down with Co-Carnage on July 27th. Last week, uh, we had talked about, excuse me, how our hopes and, you know, what we wanted out of the stream, how they were going to define, you know, what those big financial investments they got, how that would impact development. And I think we got that. I'm, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll sort of dig into this, but let's go through some of the highlights from the interview and, and starting off with staffing. 
So they talked about these, uh, this money, this big investment that they got is being spent, a lot of it's being spent on hiring people, hiring staff. So they said they have 35 people on staff right now. 24 of those are full-time, uh, but some of the part-timers they have, you know, do more work than <laughs> you might expect from a part-time person, uh, just because of that's the nature of the project. Yeah, um, yeah. I do want to clarify that, actually, because the mm-hmm. uh, the 24 full-time, I believe, in context, is actually meaning that's like the equivalent. So right. th- they have 35 people hired, and that's the equivalent of 24 full-time. So I wouldn't say they okay. have 24 full-time people, but they right. have the equivalent um hours maybe is uh, I think how he meant that. Right. Okay. That's a good clarification. Yeah. I didn't catch that. So that's important. You know, they talked a lot about some of the positions and some of the uh, people that they have been hiring. One of the things that was really interesting they talked about was um, Chris Rowan said they've appointed somebody as the conduct and security manager. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And they defined it a little bit. Joppa talked about, you know, this is their main role is going to be dealing with exploits and cheating and he used duping as an example i wasn't clear exactly at first what this role was i was actually quite interested um but um you know they said they expect vr to be very involved in this you know keeping this role uh, staffed keeping this role uh, putting some priority on this role i think that's really important because one of the questions that we get all the time you know in the comments or wherever is you know how is VR going to deal with cheaters? How are they going to deal with, you know, bans and exploits and this kind of stuff? Yeah. So they're actually, you know, actively, you know, hiring into this uh, role right now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It just shows that they are actually committed to it, that they're thinking about it well before release, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, they said they have more targeted positions that are set for hiring when the funds are available. Um, they commented on internships. They don't have any internships right now. Said maybe next summer, hopefully. They 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 haven't really commit to that. But they did commit to, which I thought was interesting, Desiree, was a guide program. And this gets brought up actually all the time because it's it harkens back to, you know, EverQuest. It harkens back to the old days of MMOs when, you know, you had guides in the world ready yeah. to, you know, interact with the players on a on a on a moment's notice. They said, quote, they've got these uh, the guide program documented and ready to go. So I guess that could mean a couple things. You know, they might just have that outlined on paper or there maybe there's more that they have set up. I don't know. What did you think of the guide program being sort of given some, you know, promoted a little bit? Yeah, I would say that's like an outline thing. You know, like they probably have an idea how they want to do it that's, you know, written down, uh, broken down for internal like scru- scrutiny, yeah. you know, to try to figure that out as it continues uh in the game's development but i know a lot of people have just so many amazing memories uh including the staff (laughs) yeah uh from guide programs and so i i feel like this is an obvious one but at the same time i'm sure so many people that have had great experiences with guides are really happy to see that you know i agree you know i feel like that's a lost thing it's one of those things that just doesn't exist anymore and and created a lot of good memories more I, I really don't recall anybody having a bad experience with guides although i'm sure they're out there so you know <laughs> calm down <laughs> i know they exist um but i just feels like a community thing it feels like a very social thing to have in a game is, is an active guide program so i really like that announcement that sort of stuck with me so basically the you know the impacts of these investments they're hiring more people they're growing their team um, we highlighted it um, in several past shows about what that looks like and uh, so that's good to see. 
on the subject of being an investor, like what does it mean to be an investor? We, we got a little bit of a definition uh, from Chris Rowan who talked about what it means to be an accredited investor, you know, differentiating that from, you know, pledges, differentiating that from uh, somebody who's just interested in the game and, you know, wants to support them. These are business, you know, these are business decisions. That's that's his role as the CEO is to, um, you know, to work in this in this arena. He said, you know, there are people who do their due diligence. They're savvy people who are, as any investor should, you know, have the money to spend, have the money to risk, to put up at risk because every investment's a risk, you know, no matter yeah, what. Yeah. And they're not, you know, they're not doing it like us where we're doing, you know, we're pledging to support the game for the benefits that we get as part of that. They're looking, you know, it's an investment. They hope to make some money off this as an investor should. Now, the big news here is that we found out Co is an investor. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not the whole 2.4 million, but no. said he was a smaller part of that, um, which I think is really interesting. And, and I'm really curious, Desiree, what you think of Co revealing his uh, identity as one of the investors in Pantheon. Oh, man, a, a few things. Uh, first of all, I actually am just so glad and huge props to CR for like defining it, uh, you know, during the stream. I think it's just really important that people understand. And and the way he defined it too, I thought was just, you know, really honest. He's like, yeah, these are people that have enough money that if they lose it, it's yeah. fine. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I think that puts into context, like the kind of people <laughs> that actually are willing to do this for Pantheon aren't really the people that are looking to make a big buck really quick. That there are mm -hmm. people that, actually just care enough that they're willing to lose their money um, yeah. to, to hopefully get this going. And Co specifically, I mean, we know that Co's been a fan, right? But mm -hmm. two, two sides of this, A, Co's a, you know, a, one of the, I would say more uh, successful streamers um, for, has been mm -hmm. for years. Uh, he's also obviously an old, a fan of old MMOs and, and new mm -hmm. ones, right? Uh, yep. Besides me liking Ko as a character, I would say this is a big deal because Ko as a character aligns with VR so well. And this just kind of reiterates that even though Ko's been streaming Pantheon, uh, not streaming like live play during a session, like, you know, you might bring up here, but uh, he has played the game years and years and years and years in the past when it was, you know, basically another game. <laughs> and, right, and he's right. still this committed this many years in. I think it really shows that someone like Ko is not willing to just write it off as like it's been too long and uh, it's not worth putting money into. He's doubling down. And yeah. obviously he some, sees something of great promise that he saw years and years and years ago uh, that he believes in even more now. And yeah. so, yeah. Well, and, and let's, let's be honest. He's, he's a smart businessman. I mean, look at his channel, look at what he's done, oh, how, yeah. he, how he promotes himself, how he markets himself and how he streams. I mean, people think streaming is just like you stream or you don't like, I've come <laughs> to learn it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. It's about everything. It's about all the little things you do. He's super smart at it. He, he wouldn't invest in a company or he wouldn't like most investors. They don't invest to lose their money. They can afford to lose it, but they right, don't right. do it to lose money. They do it to make money. He's investing to make money. Now, 
he's in a unique position for sure because he's a streamer, right? This, you know, does this investment give him access in some way? You know, who knows? Probably, you yeah, know, I, I don't think I, we can I say- I would either. say that he'd probably have access either way just because obviously, yes. you know, him and Visionary Realms have been, you know, right. like you even mentioned, you know, they're we not have, paying me to, to do this or whatever. And yeah. Now it's the we opposite. We have evidence of that. Yeah, <laughs> like we have evidence of it from, you know, going far back, like you said, you know, he's been doing this without being a paid sponsor. So now he's just, you know, taking it to the next level and saying, I see where you're at. I feel like I can help get you to where you need to be and where this game needs to be. So I, I have nothing but good feelings about it because I, I would love, and I think we said about the companies, right? People who invest in this company have to be the right fit for VR. Yep. Co fits. He just yeah. fits. And, so you can imagine no uh, like the other investors, cause you know, this is a group of investors all at the same yeah. time, same terms uh, that are probably just more co's. I would, I would argue yeah. that they must be just as aligned as Co is. And mm-hmm. if that doesn't, you know, give you some confidence about, you know, not having investors like trying to make the game something it's not, you know, which they've been super clear is just not going to happen. But yeah. if they're getting people like Co and that is their, you know, investment pool, that's a good descriptor of what they're actually looking for, I think. And yeah. So positive. I would agree. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, right on point there. I think that's perfect. And the big exciting thing is we're going to see Co in action come September because he's going to be streaming in the next pre-alpha session. Yes. So, <laughs> now this is really interesting, and, and I'm I want to know what you think about this too. But like I very I'm very curious what this is going to look like because when we've seen him play in the past, he plays with the devs, um, and I don't recall ever seeing him play as a group in any game. I mean, I don't watch his streams as often as anybody else probably but like i've never seen him play as a group of with a team so what's that going to look like you know is he going to have a a team of people playing with him is he going to just look for a group in game i doubt it that would seem like well uh, you might be surprised um i actually watched him stream eq uh not too long ago because he played on one of the tlps uh which actually will end up coming up later in the show um i just realized but uh, from what I can tell, he just joined a group and <laughs> did stuff. Yeah. Did they know who he was? Was there like... Uh, maybe. Hey. <laughs> so if he's playing in, in the pre-alpha and it's during the pre-alpha session and it's open to the other you know people who are playing in pre-alpha, are they going to be like, where's Ko? Like, are we going to be hunting for him? Because Yeah. And I, I brought this know, up on the Discord too. <laughs> I wonder about that because that seems like that seems like it could very well happen. I mean, you have to understand that the VIP community is not, it's not, you know, huge. It's not like the alpha community where they're, we're talking about thousands and thousands of, well, I don't remember the number that VR has given. They've said something like 8,000 or something like that. Anyway, the VIP community is much smaller. So if, if Co's playing, people are going to be, you know, interested <laughs> in wanting to know, wanting to see yeah. what's going on. So I, I'm very curious of what this is going to look like, but I don't even care, you know, cause I think it's exciting and he's going to get eyes on this game. He's going to get more eyes than he's had in the past because this is going to be without devs. As far as we know, without devs guiding him and, and sort of, you know, more of a controlled stream, this is going to be very much a free form thing from what we, we've been told. That's so what far, it seems. So. Yeah. We'll see if we get some more details, but this is an exciting thing. Uh, I think for everyone involved. Yeah. And it also confirmed the PA test in September for, for everybody else, for all the VIPs, yeah. right? So, well, uh, it, you know, there could be one before that, just to be clear. 
Um, sure. But but it does confirm that yes, we will be getting a PA session in in September. So yeah. right on. Yeah. Look at you, so optimistic. <laughs> You're yeah, like I, we could I'm, get one tomorrow. You never know. <laughs> I'm just pointing out that that doesn't mean that's how long it will be until the next one, because uh, that's yes. not what was said. Um, it true. may be, but I would I would think you know if they're after a year, uh, not quite a year of no PA tests, but you know. A, a very long time since that uh, last test, not to mention all of the foundational systems that have been, you know, put in and, and uh, you know, swapped out and all that, like mm-hmm. immediately showing that to 15,000, you know, plus people live, <laughs> uh, they, I would imagine they would want a little bit of testing the waters first, but, maybe, you know, maybe. who knows? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point, actually. You know, that's a good reason for them to do that. So, yeah, I'd be up for it. Um, and then the last thing uh, from this stream that I thought there was a couple of little notes here that are uh, worthy of mentioning. And uh, in the realm of game development updates, uh, they talked about, you know, up to now, the focus has been on programming and they're shifting now to focus on art and content. They did say the game building tools are, quote, mostly finished. Um, and they're now ready to build the game efficiently. So uh, we've we've heard things like this before. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that we've seen some of the art and content lately. The programming, uh, you know, um, that is a good thing that they don't really need to focus on that. Although they just hired Steve Clover as a senior programmer. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how that sort of jives. But um, and they did say Steve Clover is putting the finishing touches on their near death system. Uh, so that's, you know, I guess that makes sense. I guess that sort of goes together. Uh, they confirmed again that vinyl is integrated now. Uh, it's running, uh, of course, there's some glitches to work out, but vinyl, their networking solution is integrated and running. So yep. good to hear. Yep. And this last piece, Desert, I'm going to ask you what you think of this because it was a sort of a new mechanic, not mechanic, but more like a, a new, uh, I don't know, something <laughs> that they defined as called it morph spawning. And basically, it's a it's a way of dealing with. Um, rare spawns placeholders for rares so in the in the typical sense you think of you kill the placeholder there's a chance that it's the rare spawns as a result now they're doing something they're saying that there will be placeholders for rares that need to live long enough and will just naturally morph into the rare spawn they said um quote a wide variety it gives them a wide variety of content consumption and uh, basically results in the players you know finding these targets it's interesting to me that uh what kind of gameplay this will create <laughs> sounds like there might be the potential for like you know really waiting around and not doing anything in the hopes that it morphs into a rare spawn although it might be you know a lesser camped mob that has this ability or this trait so it's not one that's always being watched because i don't really want to just sit around watching a mob i want to sit around killing mobs you know like i don't know what did you think about this one it's kind of neat it's kind of okay so, so this is this i was actually really hoping that someone would make a forum post about this because there's a lot of discussion in the discord uh which I, you know i can't talk about uh about this and <laughs> i i would love to get into it um but we don't have a lot of public details on this so i'm just gonna say it's I think it's more just, hey, we have more ways that we can do this than just your classic placeholder, kill it, hope it spawns the named, or just a timer, you know? I think they're just trying to be clear that it's not always going to be the same thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And without a lot of 
a lot more uh, with this particular mechanic. Uh, <laughs> I could see it going a lot of ways. Um, it might not just be, you know, a placeholder that you just have to like not kill, but <laughs> it perhaps is, you know, from a variety of mobs, uh, you know, of maybe a certain name or whatever that, you know, one of them eventually can morph into it or, or it could, yeah. you know, I think they could do a lot with this system. I think it brings up a lot of immediate concerns. Uh, mm -hmm. But overall, I want to hear more about their ideas around this and maybe just around all of their different ideas for spawning mobs uh, or named yeah. mobs, you know. Because uh, I, I think this is just more like a small piece of the puzzle, not something that is going to be all the time, but maybe yeah. more of a, hey, oh, wow. You know, uh, no one's yeah. been to that branch of the dungeon in a while, uh, and there's a mob that I've never seen before. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I think that's more what yeah. they're going for than, you know. <laughs> yeah, another variable to add into the mix. Um, but uh, so rather than, you know, like you say, rather than speculate on uh, speculate on it with very little information, you know, we wait for a little more. But, you know, maybe maybe it's a it's a future community discussion because somebody makes a post about this. And, you know, lots <laughs> of people <laughs> have different <laughs> ideas. Hint, hint, hint. Make a community post. We might discuss it uh, because this is one of those things where I could see a lot of people having different ideas and, and that sort of being a really interesting discussion. So maybe we'll leave that one for now and, and come back to it in a future. Episode. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. And then the last piece I want to talk about was a tweet they put out earlier this week um, on their Twitter uh, page, Twitter post. They said, um, talking about the pre upcoming pre-alpha testing. So the, the, the question, you know, the advertisement was, which class are you playing in pre-alpha this summer? Uh, this really piqued my interest on two fronts. Firstly, um, you know, we brought it up last week about how many pre-alpha tests there will be. Um, you know, during the stream, they said there, there's going to be several more PA tests throughout this year and into next year. Yep. So uh, that affirms what we thought, that VR is ensuring this new pledge, this $750 uh, Scion, Scion of the Black Rose pledge has value to it and is definitely worth your while if this is if you're doing it for the pre-alpha testing. So that was good to hear. And again, we suspected as much, but just sort of confirmed. The real question is here, you know, what quest, uh, What classes are going to be available during the pre-alpha <laughs> yep, test? Yep. So that is an open question. We don't know. Um, because uh, the last newsletter that came out, I went back and looked at it because I wanted to remind myself, you know, like, what's the latest here? And so they, in the classes in combat section, you'll see it if you go back and look at it. It says they've implemented the updated level 10 to 20 ability kits for the Dire Lord, Enchanter, Monk, Rogue, shaman and wizard classes so to me that means that's that means th those are the classes that will likely be available do i know that for sure no um that's simply going on the latest information from vr so you know this tweet was kind of interesting to me because i on one hand i'm i'm very excited and i'm, I'm glad this, this is definitely enticing for somebody who's thinking about making this pledge on the other hand i would have also liked to have seen it clarified that you know, what, what classes are available <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I, can, I can see somebody who really likes Rangers, you know, realizing, oh, there's no Ranger, but maybe there is, who knows? We don't know that. Um, having said all that, uh, Desiree, what was your, what was your take when you saw this, this advertisement slash question? Uh, yeah. Advertisement. That's kind of that immediately this strikes me as like the kind of marketing you'd see in like a early access title or something. Yeah. And yeah. 
I'll be, yeah, I'll admit, uh, it, it put me off a little bit because uh, if you don't follow the project closely, um, this could be so exciting and you could be like, oh my gosh, like I can't wait to play my summoner. Uh, yeah, and, you yeah. know, be, you know, and you just got a sign of the black rose pledge. You're super stoked to finally play Pantheon and half the classes are in or not even yeah. that. And I think this could have maybe been set up a little bit better. Do I hate the idea of it? No, no. And I, I like that it's a more professional like advertisement. Uh, this, mm -hmm. this is something that I would have expected as you know, alpha's getting closer or something like that. I just feel like with the current state of the classes, like you talked about, um, especially because it's almost sure that you know half of them aren't uh, ready. Mm -hmm. uh, this just seems a bit premature and is probably gonna give some incorrect impressions. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I hate to be that guy. Right. But no, I'm that guy too. I, that, that was, we're on the exact same page about this here because I just, I just wanted, I don't want anybody, I don't want to be blowback for VR on this because I, I could see it, um, without somebody with the, the close knowledge who's not following the game is just seeing this for the first time being like, Oh, and so what do you do when you see this, you go to Pantheon MMO, you see what classes there are and you say, Oh, look at all these classes. Cool. This is one I want to play. But then you don't look at the newsletter and say, Oh, you realize that only half of them might be available or whatever. Yeah. Maybe VR surprises us. I mean, don't take this for anything more than ridiculous optimism, but VR surprises us with something and, the classes we aren't expecting to be there are there, but, um, you know, the bottom line is it just needed an asterisk, I think saying, yeah, current classes currently available for testing are this, 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 hundred percent right? agree. That's, That's all, all it would it take. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, having said that you and I are reacting the same way. I actually looked at the comments and I, I honestly didn't see a lot of that. So kudos, you know, maybe VR has got a better sense of this than we do. I want to read some of the tweets because I thought they were fun and, and you know, I like to see what people's reactions are to this. So we're going to go through the, some of the responses on Twitter. Uh, first up was uh, Brian Christensen on Twitter. They said, uh, really interested in trying out the rogue. Looking at the skill list seems almost bard-like in utility. Should be able to split camps, pull, and mez adds, all in addition to the usual DPS, lock-picking, corpse-dragging, and not to mention pilfering the guards of King's Reach. <laughs> so <laughs> Brian's been watching some of the streams when Minus was playing the rogue because there's a lot of that going on there. Although the lock-picking, I don't think we've yeah, seen. Not yet, no. Not yet, not yet. Corpse-dragging, I don't think we've seen. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Yeah, but the mezzing and uh, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, crowd control was definitely something we've seen from the Rogue. So yeah. Brian shouldn't be disappointed if that's uh, what they're looking for. The next up was Sylvania. And they said, I mean, Summoner, if it's out. <laughs> right? So <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, Sylvania. I hope so. But um, if the Summoner is out, uh, I just have to point out, they have uh, their roadmap is not reflecting <laughs> <laughs> yes. like or straight yes. up like it's it's saying you know the bets aren't in so yeah. you know yeah you can't have both uh <laughs> but that's right. that's exactly right. so yeah summoner if it's out i like the the clarification you know if it's out which sorry sylvania yeah. but <laughs> yeah yeah maybe next time um gallery sorry i'm gonna get the name right gallerain moonsock very cool name very rp name said 
as it will be my first time, I have no clue. Excited to try any of them. Love That's it. the right attitude to go into with because honestly, it's a pre-alpha test, right? Like, again, I, I want to play my class too as much as anybody. Uh, but uh, we're going into this with, um, you know, a pre-alpha testing mindset to test out the classes that they do have. Uh, so that's a good that's a good approach. Uh, Brendan H said Enchanter, and I have to co- commend Brendan on his emoji <laughs> use here. <laughs> he had the hand and then like the mesmerized face, so that's cool. Uh, and uh, we know Enchanter's there. We've seen that in previous pre-alpha tests. Uh, Tayhome's done a great job of demonstrating the Enchanter, uh, so that's going to be exciting. And then lastly, uh, Big Headed Gamer said, I've never played an EQ style of game, so I think I'll literally spend an hour on every one and see which one calls to me. Awesome. Oh, so, man. You're, yeah, that, you're in for a treat then. Uh, I could say that with confidence. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the most valuable thing you can do for VR, not only to get your money's worth, but also to give them as much feedback as you can. You know, I get there's some value in like spending all the time on one class and really getting the nitty gritty and the nuts and bolts. Yeah, and uh, grouping. Feedback. Grouping too is a big, yep. big thing. Yeah, but but having, you know, a perspective on each of the different classes, if you spend an hour with them, that, that could be, you know, from a new player experience perspective, very valuable to VR. So I really liked um, hearing some of those responses and I'm excited to... Uh, see you know when the time comes how some of those folks who have uh, sprung for the new pledge think what they like what they didn't like and that kind of thing you know of course everything's under nda uh, but uh, eventually the, i'm sure they'll get some feedback in and vr will you know do what they do and keep developing the game and as they should so uh, anything else des before we move on from the news of the week um whether about the co-stream or anything regarding uh, anything else we talked about here um you know I- i'm good i think we should uh, push on all right, definitely. So before we get to the calendar, we got to talk about this. Look who made a video. Oh, <laughs> Desiree, you put out your video this week. Death penalty and mechanics explained what happens when you die in Pantheon: Rise of the Fallen. Now you did such a good job explaining this last week on the on the rewind. We we thought, boy, this should be a video. And sure <laughs> enough, that's what we did. It's done very well. And I just think it's so clear. And like a lot of the comments reflected this, that the way you laid it out with like best option, second best, third, fourth was really awesome. So I'm, I'm really job. glad it, it hit right. But I, I have to like give so much credit just to you because you made it so easy. I literally just <laughs> had to write down some words and say them into a microphone. Um, and so <laughs> Uh, gotta give props back to you just for uh, making it like so possible. If this, I'll admit, like this was super spur of the moment. Like it was like what like a Saturday. We're just like, should we make a video? Yeah, make a video. Yeah, we should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we gotta team up more often and do these together more often because I, I it was so much easier. Like it's so for me. I spend so much like. I, the wording on the script and how I'm phrasing things and the timing of it. And you just have this natural ability to just spit the information out in a logical way that makes sense. And anyway, uh, I, I'm yeah. glad so we gonna, teamed up. I'm, I'm glad. I think, I think we should do some more. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that rolls in the future. For sure. Okay. So let's look at the calendar for Pantheon plus the rest of the content from our team this week on Monday, uh, of course, nine o'clock Eastern Norath after dark. Uh, track makes the calendar. He just put die, die, die. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think his teammates might be in trouble. He's got something planned. 
for a late night EQ crew that might not be great for them, but it's always a fun, entertaining thing to watch that go down. Uh, Tuesday night, we're streaming, of course, MMOs 101 on our Twitch channel, and uh, we are doing our grade night for EverQuest. So tune in if you want to know what we liked, what we didn't like about EverQuest in the six, seven, eight weeks that we've played it now. Uh, We'll be out some grades. Wednesday, Ben and I's got a fan fiction article called The Overlook coming to our website. That's pantheon.plus where you can read his stuff. Uh, Thursday, 9 a.m., <clears throat> we've got the MMO's do's, MMO do's and don'ts. This is YouTube content from Drac uh, talking about, you know, what you, you know, this was actually something we did in the last Tuesday night live stream where we talked about what we liked and what we didn't like in every, every MMO. So sort of a wide ranging opinions on that. Uh, 8.30 that evening, Sparrow's streaming some classic WoW on her Twitch channel. <clears throat> on Friday, Redbeard Flynn has got a video coming out called MMOs Not Dead. And uh, he always makes a good entertaining time, so check that out. <laughs> Nathan, this is what I teased earlier. Now, this is Drax's commentary on Nathan not being a paladin. He's got video evidence of Nathan Napalm and his vengeful ways coming out 9 a.m. Saturday uh, next week on our YouTube channel. So I, you can't not see that. Yeah. And then go to his, go to watch Nathan do Cringe Pony TV that evening, and you can comment on what you saw. So, sort of some synergy going on there. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's our that's our week of calendar of content for August first through to August seventh, and it's also this week's VR news and notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about. All right, we're going to hit on a pretty quick community discussion this week, uh, just for kind of the sake of, um, like, to you know, to be honest, our, our community spotlight is probably the biggest we've ever had, so I really want to get to that. Which is a good sign. I mean, that's it is. attracting people to make content for Pantheon. It Love is. It. But, uh, but yeah, let's check out some from the official Pantheon forums and get our uh, tickers ticking. Um, this one is going to be from, you know, our known Pantheon conspiracy guy, Ben and I, uh, mm. and this is called uh, <laughs> Faction Creep Wanted. And I'll, you know, try to do the post justice with that quick summary uh, from my from my take. And the gist is kind of that while Ben and I is totally excited for the extensive faction gameplay that's claimed for Pantheon, there, there's a bit of concern about some accessibility of facilities uh, depending on your character's faction. So... I think the best uh, examples that we're given were potentially making it so like, you know, you might end up with no access to vendors or, you know, important NPCs without like going across the entire continent. Um, mm-hmm. So Ben and I, uh, you know, again, I'm summarizing this. Uh, the solution would be to have maybe multiple tiers for things like that. So while your faction goes down, perhaps, you know, every increment, the vendors make things you know, more expensive, pay less for your goods uh, until only at the very lowest faction would you become like KOS or lose access completely. Um, and lastly, he adds that, you know, perhaps they should add some way to disguise yourself uh, in the cases that you do still need to access those places, even if your faction's gone overboard or, you know, have <laughs> alternative factions even that provide similar services like, uh, the Black Rose or the Gadai, if your Throne Fast faction is really bad. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> interesting. I like the the, the disguising yourself idea. <laughs> yes, yes. It, so, you know, it, it, it seems like he's more just kind of want, like, he wants faction 
to be more than just KOS or not, of course. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, because that is, I mean, that's when you think of it, you think, is this person going to attack me on site or, or not? Or not, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's what it always boils down to. Yeah, so, you know, and, and expanding on that might add some additional gameplay and uh, maybe some more risk and reward to make the system feel a little bit more fleshed out, right? So, um, yeah, and I... I mean, I think this might be coming from the Eternum thing where they talked about, you know, having faction with the Eternum. And correct me if I'm wrong, does, but did they not say that, you know, your faction with the Eternum will matter? Uh, I think they specifically just said that the Eternum is a faction of Terminus. Oh, and so okay. okay, yeah. Outside you're of right, that, we're right. going to be extrapolating a little bit. But since factions yeah. are claimed to matter, you know, mm-hmm. one could think. Um, but yeah, so let's get started uh, with some responses. So right off the bat, we'll go with Thunderleg, who points out something that I think is you know, really worth noting. Uh, and that is, uh, so faction-centric content is the gift that can keep on giving. The heavy lifting was done up front, and a metric ton of bells and whistles and shinies can be tacked on ad infinitum, which I think is a great point in that you know, we don't need a really complicated system right off the bat, but as long as it's set up in a way that can support, you know, future expansion, um, it's mm-hmm. probably the best way to go, you know, pre-release, right? Well, and that goes to what Ben and I are saying about tiering, right? Faction tiers. So if you start off with, you know, say three tiers, and then later on you want to add another layer on top of that, right? Yeah. You can. So Make it a little more granular, just, yeah. Yeah, like, so you've got, let's say, for example, you've got liked, neutral, disliked. Well, in a later on, you can become, rather than liked, you can become respected and then exalted, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you could really, if you if you got the, if the basics are in first, and this is, again, this goes back to something VR talks about all the time, the tools to make the job, if you've got good tools, they can make these kinds of things, you know, um, happen, uh, theoretically yeah uh, and it might just easily. might just be a matter of you know having the manpower to like set all of that up you know maybe the tools can exist maybe they can build mm-hmm. that uh just fine but the time it takes to go you know hook up all the different you know maybe uh, responses yeah. or you know different vendor prices and stuff you know that might be pretty extensive but as long as they can eventually it might be fine yeah yeah i like it makes me think of the faction or the uh, perception storylines video where they showed the branching narrative trees you know what i'm talking about like the actual structure the programming structure of it you know i'd like to see something like that uh an explainer from vr would be cool if it dealing with the faction system like show us how it sort of works pull the curtain back a little bit and just show us the mechanics of a little bit yeah that would be be cool someday someday yeah (laughs) um so let's get to uh derote um they seem to favor a bit more of the harsh penalties. So they say uh, it should have real meaning, not just a veneer. Uh, becoming kill on site in some places, you know, not just being uh, hit with a 10% increase in merchant prices. Uh, so being unable to visit a bank or use an auction house or broker and being unable to deal with merchants rather than, you know, maybe they have a black market, but... Uh, or even being able to uh, unable to access mail. So <laughs> I think Dorote is on the more like side of, you know, don't like, don't kind of nickel and dime all the way until KOS, but yeah, maybe just yeah, go that's all right. the way. Taking, taking the opposite approach, really. It's funny because well, when we were playing EverQuest on Tuesday night, 
I needed to bind. We were going in uh, oh, Soul Sec yes. B. Oh, yes. Yes. So I needed to bind, and I had run all the way to Soul B. I'm in Lava Storm, and I'm like, okay, where can I bind? And they, Drax says to me, he's like, well, you could bind in Nariak, but the Dark Elves hate you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. Darn it. Yep. Okay, so I, I had to run all the way back to the tunnel to bind myself there. And again, this is new EverQuest. This is an old school EverQuest the way it used to be yeah. because it was different back then. But the point being that I had to, there was some inconvenience for me because of the, my faction situation. Yeah. Now, if I had grinded something to get my Dark Elf faction up, I'm sure I could have bound in, in Nariak, but I couldn't. Yeah, or so. potentially, you know, uh, a bit of gameplay, because I know it's like an inconvenience, but at the same time, uh, there's quite an adventure to be had if you could sneak in there. <laughs> so, yeah, and what if instead of just them attacking me on site, what if I could walk up to them, talk to them, and they would say, yeah, we'll bind you. For 20 plat you know like <laughs> yeah. what if we did what ben and i is saying here we layered it you know and or what if i had like an item that like uh guys you know some sort of mask right i was gonna say guys of the deceiver but that, yeah, that didn't do anything that's something else yeah it's something else but the point being like you know what if there were counters to your negative faction that didn't necessarily involve faction it, it is really interesting that you mentioned that because ben and i later in the thread adds uh a, a little bit of an extra idea saying that you know maybe the guards will stop you when you're walking into the town if you have you know faction at a certain level maybe not all the way bad but uh, maybe if you're not concealing yourself well enough um, they might ask you some questions and kind of hold you there for a moment and see if you can go in <laughs> uh based on your answers uh, so I think that kind of means that you'd have to really wreck your, your faction to be in the case where you just have, you can't do anything, but that's a really yeah. interesting solution, uh, to having bad faction, but still maybe being able to get around it. If perhaps it requires, you know, something about the town that Ooh. is through perception, maybe. Ah, um, so keepers, maybe tying keepers to faction somehow. Exactly. Uh, you know, just oh, some mechanic around the faction in the, in the you know, the certain cases where you need to get in and you're willing mm -hmm. to risk. Uh, so I, I love that little, and of course it makes me think of, you know, stop right there, criminal scum. <laughs> you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of like getting stopped at the border, like going into a country and they take you in the back room and you're never seen from oh again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> where's where's bob we haven't seen him in two days it's like well he didn't make it <laughs> <laughs> but he, i mean I, I could see this playing out you know maybe there is some kind of like disguise that you wear but then you know maybe you get a little bit too close to a guard they come up they stop you and they ask you like hey what are you doing here and and mm -hmm. you're like uh and you have to bribe them and so you're you know it doesn't necessarily keep you from going in but it makes it so you have a potential more cost uh, mm -hmm. if you're not super careful and it's just again, well, expanding. Here's a, here's a callback for you. How about this? Remember in Fortress Devire when Minus was sneaking around or Ko was sneaking and he could overhear conversations oh, yes. that were only being had because he was stealthed. Yes. How about something like that working into this system? I mean, that's already in place. They showed that in Devire. So yep. I think. I think you could do something with that. Oh, that's great, man. That's great. Well, uh, uh, more responses here. So let's go to Counterflesh. Uh, they seem to agree that faction changes should be a little bit more realistic than just like a kill counter, right? Um, but, you know, also agrees 
uh, with a lot of others in this thread, uh, first and foremost, it, it's got to be fun and interesting. Uh, that is true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's Joppa. You know, it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun. Yep. So if it's not fun, people aren't going to do it. Yeah, because if it is just like, oh, you know, your negative 10,000 faction is basically, oh, I killed, you know, 400 of these, you know, types of mobs. <laughs> um, and that means I'm KOS. And mm-hmm. so I have to kill 400 of these other types of mob to not be KOS. It, it it's, it's better than nothing, but it's really <laughs> drab. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe instead of killing 400 peasants, you can just kill one noble to get all that faction. Yeah. And, because they're worth more. <laughs> and, you know, listeners to the show may recall that I think last time we talked about faction, it, it, it kind of took this, exactly this right. route, you know. Um, but, uh, and, and admittedly in the thread, they kind of, get more on that side as well but uh <laughs> on to you know the whole original post kind of a thing um i, I did want to note uh, a post here from vantrad um where he, he kind of ties that whole the enemy of my enemy is my friend uh deal and how how that should totally affect pantheon but it, it also seems like he's totally in favor of potentially really messing up your faction if you're not like tactical with your choices and you might accidentally make multiple factions hate you if you don't play your cards right. And I think that sounds really harsh on the surface. Like, oh no, like I think the reason a lot of people are against like factions mattering in a modern game is because they're afraid that if you don't, you know, check the wiki and, uh, Mm. (laughs) you know, make sure that you're... you don't know what you're doing. Exactly, that you're just going to eventually be hated by everyone and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Vandrad kind of clearly says like, that should be possible, but also it should be pretty obvious that like, hey, Thronefast and Black Rose Keep, obviously there's some tension there. So if, you, if you're against one, the other probably takes more kindly to you. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's kind of faction basics, but in, in a more realistic way. So it's not just killing random, you know, snails in the middle of a forest, um, but yeah. something meaningful. Well. And you have to know a little bit about the lore to 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 make uh, informed choices, you know. So that, I can see what he's saying that you know, people, some people wouldn't want that. I think that you do have to tie it together. I think the lore and the uh, faction has to be tied together in a logical way. So I'm, I'm like I'm thinking about the Eternum right now. Like we, you know, if that faction does matter, if it can be changed in positive or negative way, and it has out implications, you know. So what am I? I'm thinking like what would you know what would a merchant of death like what would they or maybe i should read something i should search you know and find out something about the lore about the eternum and find out i can make some conclusions from that of course and then that's just a baseline to get a to make sure you're not completely screwing yourself up yeah and i i just gotta (laughs) slide in my little bit of complete off the wall uh theoretical stuff but if the eternum faction is you know variable uh, which I expect it would be, whoever the enemy of the Eternum is, let's say you really want to get on their good side, the reward for them must be pretty interesting if it basically makes it so that you're hated by the Eternum, right? And that Super is... Super interesting. Yeah, that is a really interesting seesaw there because you're giving up potentially a you're- gameplay-related thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're basically putting yourself on hardcore mode if you yeah, do that. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know? So you better get a heck of a reward. There better be something great <laughs> for you to 
you know, for you to make that choice because you are basically saying I'm only doing corpse runs and getting reses yep. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it, but leaving that door open is just so interesting. Like I just, I know uh, not I, everyone's going to be, you know, really into that. Right. But I think people, some people do want to play hardcore mode and, uh, agreed. Agreed. I think that would be really yeah. cool actually. Well, okay. So <laughs> before we get too carried away, <laughs> um, I did want to grab one last thing and it's kind of on that note of, Make it, you know, making it so you don't have to go check a website to know what's happening with your faction, right? And this idea comes from Manuk in the thread. And I really do think this could actually make that the whole complex faction uh, system a little bit easier to understand. Because um, again, the fear is that I'm going to do something that is irreparable and not know why. And so the idea is that Perhaps there's a, a UI window for your factions, which, you know, that is pretty standard. Um, but instead of just having a bunch of bars, you know, plus and minus, uh, you know, a number, the, it actually could be some kind of uh, tree, or I think of it like a web, maybe. Um, or you could think of it as those graphs that we've seen in the past dev streams, um, <laughs> where the factions that you haven't discovered are, you know, grayed out, so you don't know about them yet. But as you discover factions, they can show up on the tree with all these connections um, and help you understand how your decisions affect the other factions. Um, I think this is actually a really novel idea to have a visual representation of how things in the world are connected uh, via faction. Um, and hmm. if you, if it's this kind of node web, uh, it should be pretty easy to tell. Like, maybe you know, you click on thrown fast faction you see all the connections the various things some you know of some you don't know of and just see how they're gonna influence each other um i think that could be really valuable especially to new players right um mm. to to know what the repercussions for their actions are going to be and uh yeah see for me i don't know i see for me this i wouldn't want this i wouldn't want this i feel like it takes the mystery out of it too much um, I feel like, I feel like there's room here to keep the world mysterious and not know, um, I know you're, you're worried about messing up your faction, but on the other hand, uh, if you have this, a UI or you have an element like this, you just, it makes it everything very much more targetable. You can make long-term faction goals because you can see the connections, even if you treat it like, you know, you put some sort of like a discovery fog or something like that in place where you can't see the long-term you know faction goals i still think that it's, this is too visual for me i wouldn't want this really yeah so the the main point is that uh factions that you haven't discovered aren't visible um uh, so you would only it, and how i see it is more just like an in-game representation of what a lot of people are going to try to track out of game um and i'm usually for systems like that uh, as long as it's something that you do have to discover in the game. So I, I think I'm a little bit more on the li liberal side of information there. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah, I'm, I, I still don't think I'm for it. But, you know, again, it's it's a neat idea. It's definitely yeah. a neat idea. And it's definitely not something that's ever been stated by the R to be in the cards. Uh, right. But I, I did have to shout that out to Minook because, uh, you know, it is something I've never seen in, a, in an MMO before. Um, and who knows? Um, yeah, but who knows? with all the speculation and uh, all the faction talk, I think uh, we can give it up for this week's community discussion. 
But uh, I did want to uh, hail back to, you know, if you happen to throw some threads on the forums, uh, got some good discussion, feel free to ping me on Discord and we can grab something. Um, no guarantees, of course, but uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see it. The forums are pretty active lately with the new uh, pledges and just kind of reemergent excitement, I guess. Um, so, yeah, get into that. And uh, that's going to be it. The Pantheon community is full of cool projects, new people, and things that are just worth sharing. Hmm? What's this over here? <gasps> Look at that. So let's see what we can find in this week's Community Spotlight. All right, the meat and potatoes. <laughs> this, is, this is quite a big week for community content. Um, but, uh, but first, since it... Seems like it's been ages since we saw an introduction on the uh, forums. I wanted to shout ages. this out. Yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, it's it just people haven't been introducing themselves on the forums. So this one is actually from, uh, I want to pronounce this right. Hopefully it's Kaldare who uh, posted this introduce yourself um, titled, hello, retired and ready to game. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> I'm already jealous. I'm already jealous. I want to be retired. Oh, um, well, so, uh, it looks like, like a lot of people, uh, Kaldari went, just went for that, uh, Scion of the Black Rose pledge and, um, you know, they're super eager to join in on the fun. Like, like a lot of us, they've played just about everything from EverQuest to modern day MMOs, but they're really missing out on some of those things that they came, they're really, you know, hopefully expecting for Pantheon, uh, that are not present anymore. And. Interestingly enough, uh, they say they played with Co recently on the Agnar TLP on EQ, um, oh, wow. and that kind of reignited their old EQ. You know, wow. So that goes right back to what we said in the intro or in the uh, news and notes section, talking about yep. Uh, you know, Co looked for maybe he found a group, maybe they just grouped up, you know, organically, and it was a good time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice little tidbit. So. But yeah, uh, cool. welcome Kildare to the community. I don't yeah. know if they're a viewer, but <laughs> may as well. <laughs> well, hopefully, but if not, maybe soon and welcome for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and from here, uh, we actually, this is really fun. So uh, uh, was it last week, week before we, we saw the um, the graphic for the race class combos uh, yes, by the community? Yes, yes. That, was, uh, that was fantastic, right? Well, this week mm -hmm. we've got two. Um, community has been great about trying to put these uh, infographics together to help people understand things. And uh, the first one's going to be by Hebes. They did a little flow graph um, for what happens when you die. Again, <laughs> we're trying to yep. try to make this really simple, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, comes out of a thread called Death Simplified on the official forums. They have a link to uh, an imager um, post uh, with the infographic yep. on it. Really cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this, these two uh, graphics, I'm going to throw in the video reel. So you'll see them if you're watching this on YouTube, um, you'll see what we're talking about so that you can have some context for it. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And then the next one, uh, this is a pretty massive one. And this is from uh, forum user telepath and it's a full like pledge matrix with all of the different pledges um, and their benefits all kind of stacked up and organized in this one uh, image. And uh, this was apparently directly in response to someone on the co-stream asking if they had something like that. 
Uh, and, you know, their the response on stream was kind of like, I mean, yeah, like our pledge, you know, kind of shows what you get, what you don't get. Um, but <laughs> but telepath like actually, you know, puts it all together. It's really easy to understand. Um, so yeah, props yeah. to them. Yeah, it's it's similar to the race class matrix in the in the sort of the presentation of it. But people have been asking for, you know, a really nice, clean um way of looking at the pledges um for a long time so telepath got a lot i looked at this on the forums as well and got a lot of kudos for this so yeah good job well deserved i hope they actually like maybe promote that um like they did with the race class combo for sure yeah absolutely all right now (laughs) to the videos (laughs) this is on the video yeah this is quite a week so uh, first of all, you know, let's kind of get all those co-carnage stream, you know, <laughs> videos out of the way. Uh, but, you know, besides the official Pantheon channel hosting the VOD of that roundtable, Co also posted it on his channel. Um, besides that, we've got, you know, a few watch parties. Uh, one, Basgram actually did a watch party during the event as well. Um, and another, actually, Sir Medieval decided to do a watch party uh, during the stream, which was uh, very interesting as well. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I, I don't know if everyone's already like streamed out. Maybe it's just me because I've had to watch it like what five, six times now. <laughs> but <laughs> but both of those are up on YouTube, uh, and you know I'll say this probably a few times, but all the links are in the description, the show notes, whatever you want to call it, uh, because there's a lot of content here. And if you want a nice, easy reference, go ahead, click on that. Um, yeah. yeah, I just want to say those watch parties are really useful for situations where maybe you, um, you, if they're on a, if they're doing it at a later date, like Basgram usually does his the day after the stream. So like I said, in the beginning, this stream was in the middle of the day on a Wednesday. I couldn't watch it live. I actually was dying because everybody in the guild was watching <laughs> it and commenting on it. And I was at work and I couldn't watch it for whatever reason. And, um, so, you know, some of these watch parties that are after the fact are really fun and, uh, glad to see more people doing yeah and a lot of insight too really um yeah and i'm not big on like reaction videos but like it -hmm. it sometimes is pretty nice to just see that firsthand um and basgrim is smart he does it when he does those delays he pauses the stream to give commentary yeah so yeah i do appreciate that i'll admit (laughs) instead of uh actually in the sir medieval one he he mutes I believe right oh, when they uh, <laughs> right when they say that they're not gonna uh, the next like uh, or the alpha or pre alpha I mean continues throughout the year and into the next year, and then like later he's like I don't know how long <laughs> you know pre alpha is gonna be I'm like oh well that's because you muted it but it it happens you know it happens live and learn um live and well learn. then we've got the recaps um so first off again Bazgrim put out a actually a great video, um, mostly focusing on the investment announcement, you know, from the newsletter, um, as well as the stream, but uh, also just with a lot of history, a lot of context, you know, obviously this is Basgrim's thing, right? Like, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so for folks that, you know, may not know like what Visionary Realms has kind of been through financially, uh, it's a great video for that. Um, just again, context for kind of the bigger picture. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, and speaking of context, actually, uh, Renfail, uh, they did a really interesting recap on the stream from, uh, you know, from his background of like working in the MMORPG industry. So, uh, he has a lot of insight, uh, f- to that announcement as someone that's dealt with these kind of things firsthand, uh, you know, investments and, and stuff like that. So, 
uh, honestly, this is another great addition to that stream. Uh, if you just want to get mm -hmm. as much info out of it as possible, I, I definitely recommend checking this out. Yeah, no, I like his perspective coming from somebody who's been who's made games or, you know, has been part of the industry and, and has some insights there. So yeah. I thought that was really useful. And also kind of uh, com commemorates uh, VR just because his how he breaks it down. Uh, he's like, yeah, they said some good things. And I was like, oh, that's very reassuring. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. And then our buddy Redbeard Flynn, man, uh, <laughs> did his his monthly recap. And and yep, there's costumes. <laughs> <laughs> to the surprise of nobody <laughs> to the surprise of nobody there are costumes there's humor uh you know it's just super entertaining delivery of of kind of all the last month's recent news which you know there's a lot of so uh, yeah i don't know what to say i love red <laughs> he's not much more to say man he's he's awesome he's one of our best friends and i love that guy and uh I can't uh, can't get enough of his content yep absolutely great and then uh, let's do this last recap. Um, again, another Sir Medieval video about the investment announcement, but uh, with some nice little shout outs. Uh, one where he quickly kind of mentions the refactor in his thoughts, which I, I think were a, it was like a really nice short take, um, especially for his audience that, you know, you see in the comments, a lot of people, you have that usual like criticism and stuff. And he just kind of really quick, he was like, yeah, so refactor this is about how long i consider the game to be in you know their current development uh and then moves on <laughs> but uh but yeah i thought that was pretty good he also uh this is totally like self-glorifying here but he shouts out the pantheon community as being one of the most supportive he's ever seen and so you know i think that's important no i know and it's not self-glorifying it's 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 acknowledging the reality of why this community's special what makes this community different from other communities and and this is i think this is really something that i was happy to hear him say because i really feel like you know this should be the mantra this should be something the vibe that we share and we put out there that you know we talk about your stuff you know and 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 you know we highlight your content and then everybody does that for everybody and the you know the the rising tide raises all that's boats, right as you know we, we've heard joppa say that you know because the more people discover your content the more people discover our content, the, the more successful we all are, right? And yeah. so this is just a little bit of a pitch there, but I'm <laughs> glad he seems to be, you know, getting that. Yep. And to, to, you know, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit, like when we see a new content creator, like we do, we try to reach out a lot. Um, and I think a lot of creators in this community do. Um, but it's it's one reason, like, you know, we're really close with Red, uh, and exactly, you know, and, and that exactly. just really, yeah, you, you said it best. So I'm going to stop kind of going on about that, but it was really nice to hear that from him. Cause you know, we've reached out to him as well, tried to, you know, help him, uh, make, make content, uh, you know, accurate content for Pantheon, which is, you know, something we care about a lot, but, uh, it, it's, it's really great. And you'll see even more of that, uh, <laughs> later on. So, yeah. And believe it or not. That's not even it for all the videos. Um, <laughs> There's more. There is actually more. And this one's from Tears in Vain. And this is called the uh, the Unique Class Traits. And he digs into, you know, various classes, all these distinguishing factors of Pantheon. And as a nice bonus, he adds a little bit of lore in there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, really nice. got to appreciate that. Um, it's all pretty succinct, too, uh, actually. Um, I, in that note though, it is pretty like basic video. Um, and I, I think I was talking to you like, you know, it might be a little bit outdated in some things, 
-hmm. but it's still really nice and it's like high quality video you know um, especially yeah. for his own audience to to get informed about Pantheon. So love seeing him back yeah. in the race. <laughs> yeah, making making videos about the classes in Pantheon is is content that you can basically, you know, everybody can enjoy because that's one of the most popular topics in the Pantheon, you know, community is class design. So yeah, true. you can never go wrong with that and uh, fully uh, enjoy. I really enjoyed that. I told you before we started recording, I really liked that one. Yeah. Yeah. This is really good. Really good. And uh, so here's another fun one. Uh, kind of speaking on folks that we don't see content from all the time. Uh, Rakus Talent. Uh, they've been, see, I guess, pretty busy lately. Um, and so we haven't really seen much, but uh, he put out a video, kind of a, uh, what would you call it, like talking head video, I guess. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. that's generally kind of just speaking why he's really hoping for Pantheon in comparison to a lot of the modern uh, hack and slash kind of style MMOs that are just like, that's kind of the thing now, you know? Um, and so he gets pretty into it, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, and I don't know, it's just, it's really fun to see him energized about why Pantheon even though it's not action combat or whatever, is still just really resonating with at least a certain like group of people, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. He seems like a very you know he seems like a very positive person, and he's got that fun accent that sort of lends yes. you know to a really energized positivity. So I like his stuff too. Yep, yep. And the last Pantheon video, uh, I'm happy to say this is from <laughs> our, our wonderful Heart of Gold from across the pond, Reese and Revelry. Uh, they're doing this just wonderfully narrated video about the dungeons of Pantheon. And uh, this is kind of a group of information about a single topic, uh, more from a lot of the stuff earlier this year, but... Uh, again, it's just, it's really well-scripted, narrated. I would say it's his best video yet. Um, so makes me really look forward to seeing more from him. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch that one yet, but I'm going to watch it tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> this last kind of thing, I think this is a bit of left field to me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, a little shout out here. So MMObomb.com, which I love saying, but... <laughs> By the way, <laughs> it's fun to say. Uh, so they do a podcast. Yeah. I believe it's called Always, Always Online. The Always, yeah, Always On, Always Online. Oh, yeah, and I was listening to it on the way home. I'm going to correct myself. <laughs> right. You keep talking. I'll look it up. Real okay, quick. okay. Because uh, yeah, I don't want to mess that up. But uh, Always Online podcast. Yeah, awesome. So they do this podcast. Uh, it seems like like weekly um, on you know MMO landscape, new MMOs, current MMOs, whatever. And I've got to point out that Pantheon's shown up in a few of their recent episodes. And, you know, naturally in the, the one last week, they they immediately kind of bring up how long it's been in development and they, you know, get into some other things too. Uh, but in the end, it's kind of like there's a bit of uh, different takes uh, from, they had like three people on. And uh, I definitely feel like some of them probably follow Pantheon a little bit closer than others. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, at, le at least it looks like they're generally like kind of cautiously keeping an eye on it. Um, but what was really interesting was they tweeted something out, <laughs> I think, yeah, after their last did. podcast. Yeah, it was really cool. So they were looking for they're looking for comments from people who had played 
uh, had a chance to play Pantheon. So as you know, you know, myself and Basgrim, um, you know, minus when he was still with us at Pantheon Plus and Nathan Napalm had the chance to play. So I took it as the opportunity to, to drop a comment on their webpage, you know, their podcast webpage, uh, sharing some of my experience, which I did. And Basgrim did as well, which is awesome. So I went really long and, and Basgrim went even longer. <laughs> I talked about Fortress Devire and what we did and what we got to play and everything you've seen. I mean, this is all stuff that people saw in our content in the video um, because I they asked for it and I was happy to oblige. So I I listened and it's funny because I was waiting to hear the next episode because I wanted to hear what they said. They brought it up and it just aired. So again, peeling back the curtain, we're recording right now. It's Friday um, on my drive home from work. Just before we started recording, I was listening. The episode just came out yep. and I was like, oh, I want to hear it. I want to hear it. So I was I was sort of like scrubbing through a little bit to find the spot and I found it and they, they, they did. They mentioned our comments and it was really nice. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like, you know, cross promotion and, and, and people just, you know, uh, taking other people's content and using um, it to be accurate and to speak, you know, from an informed perspective on it. And I really, really appreciated them doing this. And And shout out to them because this this podcast is now on my regular rotation list and I and I need more podcasts on my rotation <laughs> list. And uh, they're, if they're going to talk Pantheon, like even if they're not going to talk Pantheon, I'll still listen to it. But like, I'm definitely going to be keyed in looking for, listening for more Pantheon talk. And uh, I really like the... Uh, the hosts they they sound really great they have good opinions interesting stuff to say so yeah this is this is really exciting for me yeah this is just a really fun surprise uh that they would reach out and i've had my suspicions that mmo bomb has been at least uh not overly negative <laughs> in their their article coverage of pantheon uh which has been really appreciated right and obviously they still had some co-hosts that are very like not on board uh, yeah, which is yeah. fine. Um, but this was just so great because, you know, even from that place, they're willing to reach out and get some firsthand experience. So again, huge props to them. Uh, you know, the, they really condense you guys' comments because uh, uh, they, I, I think, yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, they, I think it, it ended up coming up about like 50, 52 minutes in or so. And so they didn't yeah. have much more time. Um, so they really condensed it down. But it was just, yeah. Anyway, it was very nice. Um, can't wait to hear and see more from MMOBomb.com. Hopefully they can uh, keep a close eye on Pantheon and and see their suspicions uh, start to fall off. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I think so. I'm going to be listening for that. All right. Well, uh, I guess my, my last little disclaimer, because um, we are at the end of the spotlight. And it's been a quite a spotlight. But just keep in mind, if you want a quick reference to get right to any of the things that we've mentioned in the spotlight and the community discussion and, you know, the whole show, check the show notes, easy links. I try to make it, you know, <laughs> super simple for you guys. So go check those out. And this is going to be it for this week's Community Spotlight. Sit back and relax. It's time for The Lore You Know. All right, it's time for lore. And having finished part one, we embark on part two of Tales from the Fire, the one between the winds. This story finds us in the Rhone Mountains, just outside of Fairthale, following the journey of an ashen elf, ashen elf named Savin. Now, who is Savin? Well, he's a wizard by trade, but more importantly, he's an envoy uh, of the elven governance. And what is his mission? Well, that we don't know yet. 
But we begin with a brief description of the many biomes of Fairthill, such as the Red Grove and the Lake of Mourning, and more than that. So listen along to the writing of Pantheon's lore master, J.N. Gerhardt, as I read this wonderful tale. It was early morning, and a heavy fog sat in the quiet wood. Dense as a cloud, the fog meandered through thickets and over footpaths like the frayed ends of a white and billowy dress. And like a cloud, the fog was not idle, but moved as one tall and gentle stream. To pass through it would wet your skin, and the floor of the wood was pregnant with dew. The wood was known as Red Grove, and though the trees were neither the oldest nor the youngest on King's Reach, they alone had leaves colored with deep crimson and a white, peeling bark. Those leaves were red, not from an autumn that comes and goes as a herald of winter, but an autumn that never ends. For this is the ever-autumn of Fairthale, home of the elves of the fabled Lucent Tree, once of the planet Seolain, and now of Terminus. The creatures of Red Grove were known as wander beasts, a term that describes the group fairly, but did not suit any single creature altogether well. Here roamed the small drollings and the tall galu, winged foxes called Enfields, and, on occasion, a brazen fay. Even a pair of Spriggan dwelt herein, though none would confuse their kind for a mere wander beast. None of these creatures were particularly evil, and a few were quite good, yet all saw the fog as a comforting curtain of night. The mist continued its sprawl up the incline of Redgrove, gathering in a hem at the shoreline of the lake called the Pool of Morning. The fog hugged the air in a perfect curve, as if it were the arched spine of a slumbering feminine form. This quirk of nature is called the Maiden of Morning, and clouds of mist hung above the water's surface like tangles of the maiden's unkempt hair. Her breathing mirrored the faraway sounds of the two waterfalls that fed into the pool on the opposite side. Frozen gusts of air fell from the Rhone Mountains high above the falls, creating a foundry of mist that birthed the maiden, the fog, and the climate of the red grove itself. In the moments before dawn, the maiden slept most peacefully. At the far end of the red grove stood a temple built upon a broken piece of mountain known as the Adidum of Aelos, also called the Dawn Approaching. Aelos is a giver of prophecy, said to be the first who sees Tolem in his darkness unknown. Upon the Adidum, the rays of Syros, the son of Terminus, would first fall. At dawnlight, the temple's marble columns burn as heralds for the coming morn. For the Rhone Mountains make the rising sun difficult to observe, and the light upon the Adidum signaled for all the day was at hand. Swift rays of sunlight aided the garment of fog gathered at the base of the temple summit. Soon, Redgrove's brilliant colors were being revealed beneath the fading mist. The heat of Syros made the vapors of forest fog leap like dancers put to flight. Each seemed to hide in the face of a fallen red leaf, with only a kiss of dew left on their crimson lips. On a cliff pass, high in the Rhone Mountains, a silhouette watched the valley turn from night to day. The wind kicked at the edges of his cloak, mocking his stillness with taunts of what lay ahead. The wind barked at him with anger, spitting snow from a throat of ice and stone. He turned his face toward it without expression. 
This bluff marked the start of the floor of the heavens, an elvish name meant to describe the heights so great they reached the foyer of the celestial realm. Peaking plateaus such as this one were like balconies in the stars, some even used as holy sites for the elves nearly a thousand years ago. Still, this trail could lead all the way to the frozen heart of the Rhones, if one so desired to take it. The figure would not do so. His quarry was nearer at hand, and under a different sort of frost. His name was Savin. He was not fond of the cold, but his teeth did not chatter. He had been to the floor before, though not for many years, and could still recall the cracks in each boulder, like the scars on a looming giant's body. He remembered how the wind caused specks of ice to cut at his eyes, how preferable the ice was to the blade-like stones it threw further up the mountain. Savin was an Ashenel, and often served as an envoy on matters of state for the Anadem Council. His habits of study and skill of memory garnered him the reputation in the course beyond Fairthale, and his ability to discern the truth in a moment put even his friends on edge. Savin was something of a wizard, though he considered that reputation of secondary importance. Beneath a hood, Savin's hair was several shades of grey, twisting in three separate braids that fell below his waist. His face did not look old despite the grey, though his eyes reflected a life of many years. His skin was pale, but not sickly, and below the center of each eye was a vertical line of symbols, cresting unevenly over each cheek. Across his back was a rod wrapped in unimpressive cloth, the head wider than the body. His cloak was dark slate, woven from countless threads but without bulk. It had no ornamentation save for silver clasps that fastened up the left side of his chest. Upon the back of each hand were similar markings to those under his eyes, though these were interwoven with what looked like writings or scripture. On his feet were leather boots, oddly brown the only piece of clothing that suggested he took the dreadful cold seriously. The boots were sunk in a blazon of frozen fog that rolled slowly over the cliff's edge. Savin spoke a word, or rather sang it, and there appeared between his thumb and pointer something of a quill pen. Yet the quill was not a bird's feather, but instead an insect's prismatic wing. With this tool he drew invisible lines in the air and there appeared glowing lavender lines in the sheet of frozen fog at his feet, matching stroke for stroke. As Savin drew, he repeated the single word song several times over, though it seemed to be out of enjoyment and not to manifest more of the insect quills. Though his pace of verse was slow with whimsy, his pen was decisive and swift. Ro palo, ro palo. In a flurry, he finished the wings wide and sharp-edged, with crystalline veins. Savin waved his hand, the pen erasing itself in a moment. He knelt and slid bare fingers beneath the snow, cupping and drawing as if it were alive and lifting it from the sheet of fog. From a hidden pocket he produced a handful of shimmering stones, each small as a pebble. He chose one that was red and intricate, looking more like living tissue than a hard gem. Savin slid the stone into the thin body of snow with great care, tenderly smoothing over the wound. The light from his art was fading, helpless as a flower in the snow. He brought his face very near the drawn. Now, he whispered, you come with me. 
The red from the stone mixed with the lavender light, pulsing in a soft rhythm. At once, the wings of the drawing stirred like they were waking from a long sleep. With beat slow and then furious, it struggled to break free. Suddenly, it was not a drawing at all, but a creature fully formed, the lavender lines cradling its snowborn body. Savin stood tall just as the delicate wings of the creature started to flutter and lift out of the snow, the left sticking a moment more than the right. When it left his palm, Savin blew the remaining snow in his hand at the weak beauty like a gust from the mighty mountains. The creature struggled to regain control, rising and falling with the greater wind. For a moment, it appeared to lose, soaring dangerously close to the cliff's abyss. Yet, Savin did not move a hair as it fell, though his eye did not falter from its flight. The creature gained control, and soon flew stable, circling Savin once in a slow, victorious glide. It perched on his right shoulder. Savin did not smile, though the creature's settling feet seemed to satisfy his aims. The wind was whispering to him now, calming itself with invitation and promise. There were no barks, no biting grains of ice. The mountain was hiding its face behind its glacial beauty. Savin knew better and set the creature in a small box of leather that was nestled in the skirt of his cloak. He kept the lid open for the little pet and pressed on into the rising winds. Yet, as Savin ascended, his preoccupation with the mountain itself seemed to diminish with each step. The wind could howl, he thought, but it was only ever the wind. The purpose of his journey began to assert itself over physical concerns, and it weighed on his mind, like snow gathering on a root. And that is The Lore You Know. And if you liked that, I just want to mention too, earlier this <laughs> week, I put up the full reading of part one of Tales from the Fire on our YouTube channel with, you know, fun graphics and some effects and stuff to go along with the audio and the visual, the audio to go along with yeah. it. So hopefully you like that. I mean, if you weren't going to um, shout it out, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I almost forgot about it because I, I went up today and I was so busy at work today. And that's why I was like getting the notes in for this episode this week was getting absolutely down to the wire for me. I was in last minute trying to get everything prepped. So I'm really hopeful next week is not so busy, but you know, even with that, nevertheless, you know, all that stuff. Great. I had a great time, Desert, as usual. And I want to thank you for all your hard work. I got to ask you, are you ready for episode 113 next week? <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> I lo we should we should keep this up through the whole. I, I feel bad for missing it, you know, the first time. But uh, wow. man, you know what? Crow Singer, our friend Crow Singer pointed yep. it out. I think sh she was the one who said, how come you didn't do a 111? And I said, well, I've Got it. 11.2 for next week. You got there it. There we go. <laughs> so right on. <laughs> right on. So thanks, everyone, for all your support, as always. We always have a good time hanging out with you. And uh, join us next week. Same time, same place. We'll see you then. See you on the next adventure, folks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.